This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. If you're a new listener to Zoomer Radio, then I want to begin by telling you I have a vested interest in this topic. I am an advocate for Bladder Cancer Canada in memory of my mom, Sandy, who died of the disease five years ago. We're about a month ahead of the Bladder Cancer Awareness Walks, which begin in cities right across Canada, including here in Toronto, as well as nearby studio, uh, nearby uh, Mississauga. And so in studio with me right now is the Mississauga Walk Lead. He's also a bladder cancer patient. We've got Bob Murray in the studio. Bob, welcome. Thank you. And also on the line, Dr. Alex Zlata, esteemed uro-oncologist at Princess Margaret Hospital. Dr. Zlata also treated my mom, uh, but unfortunately her cancer had already spread, and once cancer metastasizes, it's only a matter of time before a patient dies. And Dr. Zlata is also Bob's oncologist. So you two already know each other. Yes, we have Yeah, met. good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon. Uh, Dr. Zlata, I want to start with some good news. And I'm seeing news on um, improved treatments and new research all the time. Do you have some positive information to pass along uh, on research into bladder cancer? Yeah, so I uh, can bring some hope. Um, unfortunately, couldn't at that time for your own mom. Mm-hmm. But, I, uh, but I can appreciate that the future looks much brighter. I I will uh, just uh, talk very briefly about new avenues and new types of treatments like immunotherapy. And I also will talk about bladder preservations, where even when patients have a disease that in the past would have required the removal of very aggressive surgery, there are new ways now to spare the bladder and, and achieve the same outcomes. So uh, do you want me to uh, detail briefly uh, what the immunotherapy and how this has changed the landscape for bladder cancer? Absolutely. I just want to give the phone numbers out. Uh, if you have any questions for Dr. Zlata, he is a uro-oncologist. He's a bladder cancer expert. 416-360-0740. Toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Yes, please, Dr. Zlata, go ahead. Super. And actually, uh, I do work both at uh, Mount Sinai and, and uh, Princess Margaret. But the, the issue is that until recently, especially when the bladder cancer had spread beyond the bladder, you had to address the disease outside by chemotherapy. But unfortunately, chemotherapy was active only uh, on a certain percentage of, of patients, roughly 40%, that left, unfortunately, 60% in limbo. And there hadn't been much progress. And since a couple of years, it's relatively recent, I would say 212, a new form of cancer therapy that uses the patient's own immune system, which is called immunotherapy, has been in development and with very promising results in, in bladder cancer. What these type of treatments do is that they truly ramp up the patient's own immune system to help treat the, uh, treat the cancer. 
And basically what they do, they release the brakes on the immune system, which allows our own cells, our T cells that are meant to fight any uh, foreign uh, bacteria or abnormal cells attack the cancer cells. Normally, these cancer cells are tricking our own immune system to the point that our own immune system doesn't recognize them. With these dr drugs, which are a multitude of by the same type, they now release the breaks and the immune system can actually attack the cancer cells. And that has allowed, for instance, that patients who had, for instance, unresectable cancer that went beyond the bladder into several organs that had failed, for instance, chemotherapy or who could not receive chemotherapy because of renal function impairment have shown very, very spectacular responses. I remember I was exactly one year ago at the bladder cancer uh, meeting, the BCAN, where there was a 52-year-old gentleman where the disease had spread to the lungs when you would do and look at the CT of his chest. Unfortunately, everything was white because of the tumor. He started this kind of therapy and absolutely everything melted like snow under the sun. So wow. this is certainly something spectacular. The only problem, and or there are many problems, are one is that the number of people who will respond is about 20 to 25, sometimes 30%. So again, we have no way to really know who the responders will be, and that's a problem. But the good news is that we've seen patients who have very long-term responses over many, many years, as if once they have allowed their own immune system to re-recognize these tumor cells and attack them, it's really long-lasting. And last but not least, especially if we think about bringing these type of treatments earlier on, um, these are associated clearly with some side effects from, you know, fatigue, cough, nausea, loss of appetite, skin rashes, neurotoxicity, toxicity to the liver. So it's an effective treatment which is really spectacular and that people should know about it. But on the other hand, it's not for everyone. Not everybody responds, and there are side effects. Okay. Well, that, but that is overall great news, and that's what Bladder Cancer Canada and all of the awareness walks happening across the country are working towards as well, raising the funds required for this groundbreaking research. So when you do contribute, when you sponsor uh, people like me and people like uh, Bob Murray in studio with me, you've got to know that your money is going to make a difference in improving the condition around bladder cancer for patients, for uh, better quality of life. And in terms of better quality of life, Bob, you look great. You still have bladder I feel, cancer. I feel great. Tell us your story. Just over three uh, years ago, I got up on a Sunday morning and uh, found I had a kidney stone, and I'd never had one. I uh, went to my doctor the next day, he sent me for an ultrasound, and they saw two tumors. Um, I think the kidney stone was a blessing. It caused early detection, which is critical in um, trying to get a great prognosis of, of bladder cancer. Part of our awareness walk is to make sure that people recognize the symptoms, that if you see red, this is one of the most common symptoms for bladder cancer, go to your doctor. If you are detected early, the outcome can be terrific. As Dr. Zlata was hinting to, if it's later, 
it can be life-altering and even life-threatening. So I was very fortunate to be detected early. And so since then? Uh, since then, I've had a number of procedures um, and been treated with BCG, which is uh, sort of the standard for most patients when they're coming in. I tend to be a little bit resistant, and so I've moved up the line to actually see Dr. Zlata tomorrow, and uh, we'll, we'll see what the next uh, what ha- the future holds. But I feel great at the moment. Yeah, well, you look great. You have great coloring. Uh, you look as though you're already a survivor. Dr. Zlata, Bob's uh, prognosis is, is good, isn't it? Yeah, the, the, and the, the prognosis of the disease, which has is confined to the bladder lining, is certainly very good. And there, the goal is truly to keep the disease at bay. Mm-hmm. This disease, so the, the basically, the, the, the way that can, bladder cancer behaves is predetermined by the type of cells, whether these are low-grade or high-grade, and I usually, usually use the analogy between the low-grade being pussycats and high-grade being tigers, and then the depth of the penetration to the bladder. The, as long as it's confined to the lining of the bladder, the very in, internal part, and it's low-grade or even high-grade, you can actually resect it and try to prevent its recurrence and also the progression towards a, a more deeper invasion. Once, unfortunately, and as Murray said, if you have the chance to be detected early on because, you know, you present with something else and then you bleed and then it's picked up early, once, unfortunately, it goes into the bladder muscle, that means that the biology of these tumors is way more aggressive, unfortunately, and that has been the case uh, with your mom. And what I'm then the, the major problem is that those cells have a tendency to leave outside of the bladder, and this becomes a systemic generalized yes. disease, even if at times you don't see it. And so as long as we can detect it early on, we can try to prevent the progression. Once it has progressed to the muscle, then indeed it's more challenging. But I will bring some good news, even when the tumor has progressed, into the uh, muscle, but hasn't spread outside of the bladder. In the past, the only way that we could address that for a disease that was aggressive and was locally advanced in the bladder wall was to remove the, 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 the bladder, which we all understand is a very big operation with a lot of alterations in terms of quality of life. But with the the bladder cancer clinic um, that uh, we had started with my colleagues at, at Princess Margaret and at Mount Sinai, we have actually followed and analyzed a group of patients and recently published in a relatively prestigious journal, which is the Journal of Clinical Oncology, where we compare the outcome of patients that were treated with the removal of the bladder for specific conditions and patients where the bladder was kept but received a resection, chemotherapy, and radiation therapy instead of the removal. And what came out from this long study was that for selected patients who have a tumor which is unique, not multiple tumors, for tumors which are not larger than about five, six centimeters, and with some specifics, Preserving the bladder and treating these specific patients with a trimodality of very deep resection, 
chemotherapy and radiation may, may produce equally good results as removal. And I think um, this is a new trend. We try to be less and less invasive and together with the immune checkpoints that actually will be associated both with surgery and radiation, this has again opened up really very, very optimistic perspectives. Yes, I'm super happy for that and the, for the patients. The future is looking brighter for bladder cancer patients, most certainly. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. We're talking about bladder cancer awareness ahead of the bladder cancer walks that take place across the country and cities across the country next month. I'm a bladder cancer advocate uh, and in studio with me is Bob Murray. He is the lead for the Mississauga Walk. He's also a bladder cancer patient and we have Dr. Alex Lada on the line with us, uro-oncologist at Princess Margaret Hospital and Mount Sinai. I want to start taking your calls here now about bladder cancer. Gail in Mississauga, go ahead. Um, hi, Jane. Thank you for taking my call. I, uh, I was in Princess Margaret, and I had uh, cancer, and I had chemotherapy, and I had uh, radiation, so much radiation that I wound up with cystitis, and, uh, it's, which means I'm always going to the washroom, and I can't hardly go out because I have to know where there's a washroom at all mm-hmm. times. And it takes me for hours to go to the washroom. And And I just want to know if there's any cure for this. And so far, I've been told that there's not. Are you cancer-free? Not yet. I haven't been classified as cancer-free yet. But you you did have or do have non-muscle invasive bladder cancer? Yes. Okay. Dr. Zlata? Um, yeah, first of all, uh, sorry to hear. Second, you can imagine that it's incredibly difficult to give advices or to provide something without the specifics and the granularity. I, I think overall, I have to say that um, major side effects are relatively rare, but are always really bothersome and, and, and a pain when it affects one person. So for a patient who has that, it's one or you don't have it, and I fully appreciate. But in the grand scheme of things, this, what you describe is a little bit more unusual, certainly having to go all the time. Now, I'm personally not a specialist of what's called uh, bladder dysfunction or overreactive, but I am aware, and there is a there are teams specialized in in that condition. Several of them are actually at the Toronto Western, and a lot of new drugs have uh, been brought up that basically tell the bladder to to settle and not annoy your brain, having to go to the, the washroom all the time. And I'm aware of a uh, a, a new group of, of drugs which are which is effective, but again outside of my specific expertise, and I probably would suggest that you reach out uh, through your physician to those uh, patients, those people, sorry, specialized to try to to, uh, get those drugs or at least uh, get some info about it. Okay, Gail? Okay, fine. Thank you Okay, thanks for for calling. No problem. Thank you for calling in. 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-744-740. Let's talk about some of the stats around bladder cancer. It is more common among men at fourth out of all the 
the cancers, whereas for women, it's 12th, fifth overall when you look at men and women together. 80,000 Canadians are living with bladder cancer. Interestingly, when you talk about women, there are more new cases of women being diagnosed with bladder cancer than there are women being diagnosed with cervical cancer, oral cancer, stomach cancer, or brain cancer. The main symptom is blood in the urine. See red? See your doctor. And Dr. Zlata, it's important to point out too, especially for women, if you see blood, don't let your doctor just tell you it's a urinary tract infection. Make sure it's checked out right away with a urologist so you can rule out bladder cancer. I think it's a very fair point. And also, you know, it's unfortunately not everybody presents with blood in the urine. When you see blood, I think you should have a, a near reflex to, to consult talk about it, don't keep it for you, and then move, move in. Um, the, there are, however, we've seen that time and again, and that happens a little bit more often in women, you're right, are women who are treated constantly with antibiotics for recurrent urinary infections. It is rare, but sometimes there's a cause for these infections, especially if women have other risk factors like smoking, for instance. And so basically, if something doesn't go away right away, look deeper into it and exclude more sinister causes. Bob, were you a smoker? Yes, I was. Now, I quit nine years ago, and uh, I thought after three or four years, well, I've gotten rid of anything that could have happened, and uh, I was told it's quite likely that smoking was one of the agents that caused it. Right, men in their 60s and 70s and smoking being the main cause. Um, I I want to talk a little bit here, uh, since we just have a couple of minutes left, about the Bladder Cancer Awareness Walks. Uh, This is year number two for the Mississauga Walk. Bob, tell us all about what's happening in Mississauga. This year in Mississauga, on September 23rd, it's Saturday, Arendelle Park, 1695 Dundas Street West. We'll have registration at 10, and our walk will quick kick off at 11. Uh, We really want to reach out to the Mississauga community. When I was diagnosed just over three years ago, there wasn't a walk in Mississauga. Um, I went to Cambridge. I wanted to find out about it. I felt it was critically important that we let a community as large as Mississauga know that there was support there, there's help there. I found many people initially have a lot of questions. They don't know where to turn. Having somebody to talk to, I think, is critically important, giving support to the family and support to anybody who has bladder uh, cancer, as well as funding the research. So it's an incredibly important thing, in my opinion, and hopefully we'll have a great walk this year. I want to also give out uh, the website for Bladder Cancer Canada. The people there do incredible work. Bob and I sort of work alongside them on the periphery of Bladder Cancer Canada, but as advocates, bladdercancercanada.org. They are helping patients. They are helping patients' families. You can also, if you're on social media, check out the hashtag YellowHelps. The whole idea behind that is yellow. It's a yellow lemon. Yellow urine is is a healthy body is a body that's not affected by bladder cancer. Of course, you see red, you see your doctor, so that is the opposite. But yellow helps Bladder Cancer Canada. And in terms of what's interesting between Bob's walk in Mississauga and our walk here in Toronto, yours is on Saturday, September 23rd. Ours is at Sunnybrook Park on Sunday, September 24th. So if you can't make one, you can go to the other. Thank you. And uh, it's also an opportunity for me. And I thank you very much, Dr. Slaughter, for your time. 
Thanks so much for inviting me and uh, all the very best. I will be there to support Bladder Cancer Canada and running for, for the research. I know you will. I've, I've talked to you there at the walks before. This is my third annual. Uh, it's also an opportunity for me to give a little plug for my team. Uh, we are at, since 2015, we're right around $14,000 our little team has raised. And if you haven't spent all of your charitable tax dollars yet, I would appreciate a sponsorship. You can find a link to my page uh, at zoomerradio.ca, zoomerradio.ca. You'll see it there front and center. And uh, we do appreciate your support for bladder cancer because it does need funding. Fifth most common cancer, 20th for funding. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.